Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. It's our day two wrap from the Boxing Day Test match. And we've also got a few other news um, headlines to talk about because we're not sort of um, doing our regular weekly show. We're just doing um, the wrap-ups of the Boxing Day Test. So there's a few headlines to get through in the Big Bash. The TV rights deal set to be announced uh, imminently and, uh, yeah, just a few other little things to talk about. Uh, Don Bradman's hit the headlines as ever. Paul Dennett is joining me. Paul, how are you? G'day, Minas. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, just after the uh, last ball of the day, I suddenly realised they're about to go to the news, and I haven't watched the news in, in years. But when they led with David Warner getting his double hundred, they do it in a you know really good way. They're trying to appeal to non-cricket fans as well. It reminded me of how great it is that, cricket is still on free to air because there are still people lots of them millions of them who watch the nightly news regularly and this really did pump it up and you know for it to break um ahead of every other sport every other news event let alone sport um was pretty cool uh it felt like i was back in the 1980s and 1990s uh yeah i really really enjoyed it quite thrilled yeah, it was a thrilling day at the MCG. Australia started the day at one for 45, and they finished the day three for 386. David Warner is 200 not out, having retired hurt. Steve Smith made 85. Travis Head is 48 not out. And Australia scored uh, 341 runs today in 79 overs and just lost the two wickets, which was Manus Labuschagne run out and Steve Smith out for 85. So a dominant day by Australia. Head and Kerry not out overnight. Um, it, it was just a majestic knock from David Warner, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think that we, we saw the start of it last night when he went out and played positively. Um 
they I don't think they bowled especially well in the opening stanza of play today and he got away to um you know got a lot of momentum early on then there was a really good spell um Ngidi and Jansen bowled uh, a good spell in partnership together uh Jansen was regularly over 150 kilometers an hour and uh it was quite intimidating some of the the bowling it was um it was really hostile stuff and Unfortunately for South Africa, they just couldn't maintain that pressure. They brought on Maharaj um, just before lunch rather than keeping on Jansen. Maharaj just bowled pretty pedestrian stuff. The Aussies attacked him. And then after lunch, they um, they didn't bring Jansen back. I thought Rabada, it's the worst I've ever seen him bowl. Um, for a, you know, a, a great bowler, I thought he had a really, really poor day today. And then by the end, um, they're all uh, cooked, both both sets of players on both sides and umpires as the temperature rose to 36 degrees. And, um, yeah, I, I couldn't blame the South Africans getting sort of smashed everywhere towards the end, but I do think that their early performance, that spell from um, Ngidi and Jansen notwithstanding, was, was pretty poor, but take nothing away. It was a fantastic effort from David Warner. So it was his 25th test century, his first since January 2020. So he's scored 25 test centuries and 100 tests. He's the second Australian to score a century in his 100 tests. Test. The other one to do that is Ricky Ponting, who scored two centuries um, in his uh, 100 test match at the SCG, which I was fortunate enough to be at. Um he, he now Warner was the second player to make a double hundred in his hundred test. The other player was Joe Root, who made two hundred and eighteen last year. Now, uh, David Warner has the seventh most most test runs for Australia, the eighth most test centuries, and is the tenth player to score a century in their hundred test match. All up, so just an incredible uh, set of stats for David Warner today, and. Uh, yeah, just did, what a day. He and Steve Smith put on 200 um, and uh, they've played 82 tests together. And, um, you know, for a long time, they were uh, sort of propping the batting lineup up. Yeah, and I just was really pleased because um, I've said it on this show before. I don't and didn't understand the desire to get rid of David Warner. I accept that he hasn't performed as well in test cricket in recent months and, and probably in, in the last couple of years. I accept it's not going to be easy to score runs in India and it's certainly not going to be easy for him to score runs in England. But I just, if, if I'm being completely honest, uh, you know, to go back to the jail analogy I used a couple of podcasts ago, if I have to go to jail if Australia lose the Ashes but I get a million dollars if Australia win the Ashes, even in England, I still want David Warner in my side ahead of who the likely alternatives would be, ahead of Henry Hunt, ahead of Marcus Harris, ahead of Matt Renshaw. Um, I, I just think that it was... Um, you know, I understand how it's, it becomes a talking point and cricket craves talking points and narratives, and I don't blame anyone for talking about it. I'm just really delighted that he's got these runs, and, and hopefully that that means now he can be in the side for longer. I, I, you know, there'd be, there must be part of him that thinks, okay, I've got this off my back, now go to Sydney, ret- announce my retirement before that, take all the pressure away. I don't think he's going to do that. I really hope he does not do that because I want him in the side for India, I want him in England, hopefully when we play in the World Test Championship final, and then I want to see him really do well in the Ashes. Uh, so hopefully that's what's going to happen. I agree. And I, I think it's a bit of an anomaly that he doesn't have a great test record in India. I actually think he's due there because he's he just he does play well on those pitches 
in shorter form cricket. And I don't see any reason why he can't reproduce um, that form in longer form over there. Um, he's I agree. 200- and I think that, I think that he should go out there with the the intention of playing it as though it is a a fifty over game in India. That you know, um, he 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 played aggressively in this innings. Hopefully, that's the model of what he does in the future. And his performance in England, he did okay in twenty fifteen. He averaged about forty five before and after that. He was poor. He was terrible in twenty nineteen. But it is very tough being a le- being an opening batter in English conditions, especially a left handed opening batter. Uh, it'll be it'll be intriguing if he is still in the side. What he what he's going to do to try to 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 counter what they'll you know they'll they'll do exactly what they did in 2019 to him. It's going to be fascinating watching seeing if he can um go buck the trend. Um, he so the, the stats just kept coming. He was the eight, he he was the eighth Aussie past eight thousand test runs. His two hundred came off two hundred and fifty four deliveries. His last fifty came off thirty two deliveries. And when he brought up his double hundred with a an edge through the gully region. Uh, he jumped up in the air celebrating, and it, it seemed like then his body just shut down. He had been cramping, you know, a lot after he reached his 100, and then he just couldn't continue. And I, I think it actually made sense for him to retire hurt then, Paul, because perhaps he can get a good rest tonight, um, get the, on the physio table, you know, eat gallons or drink gallons of pickle juice, and then tomorrow go out at a fall of a wicket and blaze away. Oh, that will be a terrifying sight. I remember there was some time when Gary Sobers did that, where he got a lot of runs and then had to retire hurt. I think he had a big night the night before. and might have needed to rest his head. And the commentator was something like, um, oh, uh, West Indies are now uh, 644 for three, and out comes Gary Sobers to battle. Something like that. I was like, oh, God. You know, imagine what South Africa is going to feel like when a rested, fit, and hungry David Warner comes out tomorrow. Uh, you know, you wouldn't put it past him to um, get 300. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so Warner comes out. And then the other other option for South Africa tomorrow is uh, Cameron Green could come out because he had to retire hurt because Anrik Norkia hit him. Um, was it his right hand? I think it's his bottom hand. And um, so blood was actually drawn and he had to retire hurt. So Warner and Green uh, retired hurt Um pretty soon after each other. And, uh, yeah, that looked like a pretty stinging blow. And we we haven't mentioned, but Mitchell Stark is carrying a finger injury and he's all but r- ruled out of the SCG test. So if Green's badly hurt, you could have Green and Stark carrying injuries into the second inning, bowling innings. Yeah, Green's one looked quite nasty. Um, the, the speculation from the commentators was there could even be a, a, a break there. So I think it was his was it his index finger. Um, I'm not sure, but it, it didn't look all that good. Further to my um, the ammunition for me to say we should have a, a ball that's not quite so hard. We've got all these players coming down with finger injuries. Let's um, let's find a way not to have that happen. But um, yeah, I hope that hope that Green is okay. Um, and. It was not a flat pitch. I, I, I've heard some talk, oh, the pitch was pretty flat. There were some balls that were climbing. I mean, Warner got copped a pretty nasty one. Smith copped one that um, reared up at him. Uh, you know, this does not bode well for South Africa's second innings, I don't think. No, it could be a quick finish to this game. Um, just on Cameron Green, I had a sort of revelation today. I was I was sort of meditating as I walk around the park, and, and I, I sort of thought what Cameron Green needs 
and and I know this is an obvious statement, but he needs a little bit of Keith Miller in him. He needs to just, and I know you've been saying he needs to be more aggressive, but I think he just needs to let the hand break out, go out there, just smack it around a bit. If someone sledges him, just turn to them and say, I'm going to bowl 150 kilometers an hour at your head next time. So shut up. I mean, this kid should be enjoying his cricket because he's bowling 145 kilometers an hour. He's just gone for $3 million. He's a great batsman. I think he just needs to kind of like stop poking around when he's batting and just 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 release the handbrake. Well, I mean, apart from the finger injury, he's kind of had one of the best weeks that any <laughs> anyone's ever had. <laughs> when did you last get three point three million dollars for eleven weeks' work and um, three point one million dollars promised for eleven weeks' yeah. work and take a fiver at the MCG? He's doing all right, the big champion. But I oh, take no, your no. point. I take your point. I think the the funny thing is. I, I think he's got his attitudes mixed up. I think that he's too aggressive when he bowls and not aggressive enough when he bats, that uh, he should take his batting attitude into his bowling and just be nice and, you know, top of off stump and nice and boring. Take his bowling attitude of lots of bounces into his batting and swing from the hilt. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I just sort of think he needs a bit of a swagger. I think that's a better way of expressing it. He needs to get a bit of that arrogance and swagger to his game where, I mean, he should, you know, he's so imposing bowling, batting. He's just this huge colossus. Um, so I just think he should, you know, throw that on the game with a bit of that Keith Miller devil may care attitude because he can do it all. Um, I don't think, I, I mean, I agree with you until you started talking about the, the arrogance and the swagger. That's all just um, gibberish. Um, he just needs to uh, bat with a bit more aggression and whatever his body language is makes no difference. I disagree. Absolutely disagree. I mean, if you've got someone like two metres, uh, you know, if you're a spin bowler and you've got someone two metres hurtling down the pitch at you, uh, trying to smack you back over your head, that's intimidating. You know, it's a lot different to, I don't know, when someone my size is coming down the pitch. Well, I need some, I need some numbers. Can you go into Stats Guru and, Guru and Crick Info and sort them by body body language and swagger and see who's got the best record? All right. The, the, like we come up with a new stat for the imposing percentage or something. <laughs> hey, speaking of um, strike rates, just what before we get off Warner, um, I just had a look at the, the, the best strike rates for all Australian batters if they've had 5,000 runs or more. And... Um, some of the really old players were not sure, but they were they scored pretty slowly back in the day. Uh, the top five in order: uh, Ponting at f- fifth at fifty eight point seven, Hayden in fourth at sixty point one, Bradman is in third. They're not one hundred percent sure, but it was either sixty one or sixty two or somewhere in that region. Warner second, seventy one point four, and Gilchrist first at eighty two point zero. It's not enough mention made of the fact that Warner, apart from Gilchrist, is the most aggressive batter that Australia has ever had and that destroys opposition that's what Gilchrist used to do and Warner's the second best at doing it. and that's another reason why I'm so happy that he's done it and that I'm so keen for him to stay in the side for for longer yeah it's it's amazing to score that quickly at the top of the order against the new ball you're right it doesn't get spoken about enough uh, I mentioned before uh, Mitchell Stark looks like he's going to miss the SCG test so that kind of opens the door to the prospect of them either bringing in a, a second spinner or Josh Hazelwood uh, returning. Uh, but as I said, just going into that second innings, if Green and um, Stark um, are under injury clouds, that could be a significant workload for the other bowlers. Yeah, um, but I think that Travis Head and Manus Labashain could bowl a little bit as well. I know that Maharaj didn't get much spin on there, but I just think it's baked in the 36-degree heat today. I wouldn't be surprised at all 
if um, Lyon actually does extract a bit and if some of the other Australian part-timers uh, can do a bit as well and, and shoulder some of the load. Yes, Marnus. Well, Marnus will be spewing, Paul, because that run out today, I guess we didn't bring that up, but he's the casualty. I think he kind of sacrificed himself for David Warner. There was a mix-up with the, for those who haven't seen it, there was sort of a chance of an overthrow and Warner went. And I think Marnus just went, well, I better go because I'm I'm not running out Warner on his 100th test match. Oh, I think what happened was that they'd gone for a quick single and that the initial throw had been to Labuschagne's end. He was running to the striker's end. And he had followed through several steps because of the momentum of what he'd done, whereas Warner had turned and was always looking for a potential second. And when he saw that the ball had scampered away a bit, um, he, he tried to call Labuschagne through and he started to advance down the pitch. And he really should have realised, OK, this is not going to be on. But he went down and down. And by the time Labuschagne turned around, Warner had covered, I don't know, half of the pitch and Labuschagne suddenly thought, oh, I'd better start going here. He started to go and it was that sort of um, double hesitation where just at the moment that Warner thought, oh, I better back away here, that's when Labuschagne went. And so then Warner said, oh, he's going. And then it was kind of, it, it, was, it was too late to stop and then he was going. So I, I don't think he sacrificed himself. Um, I, I just think it was a bad mix up. And I think it, it's further to the point that they need to practice more the, the notion that as soon as there is any form of mix-up, both players just have it as a as, as sort of um, ingrained within them that you just abandon the run and both players return to their respective ends. Yeah, I think Marnus will feel he left a lot of runs out there. Uh, towards the end of play, uh, Lungo Ningidi went off, so hopefully he's all right to bowl uh, for South Africa. They'll need him on the third day. But all in all, Australia dominated the second day. They finished three for 386. David Warner, the toast of the nation, 200 not out, retired hurt. So hopefully he can continue that and possibly break Joe Rec- Joe Root's record and become the highest scorer in their 100th test. Now, now let uh, me just, um, I don't disagree with the sentiment, but can I just say this little bizarre niche of, of statistics that's just cropped up today of performances in someone's 100th test, as someone who loves stats, that's even too far for me. I, you know, I, <laughs> I don't care what someone did in their 100th test. Let's just see what they do over the, over the course of their whole career. That's just absolutely not true. When Ponty scored twin centuries in his 100th test, I was over the moon. It's sensational. Um, And just before we move off the test, so just a peek behind the curtain, we uh, we had to do a second take starting this quick and unfiltered because I started off by um, saying that Spider Cam had killed Anrik Norkia. Now, Paul hadn't seen the footage. Now, for those who have been on Twitter will know I'm not, I'm not overplaying this. Spider you Cam, are because it didn't. It didn't actually kill him. I should point out. Well, um, he's fine. He's so not, yeah, you, yeah, you're overplaying it a massively amount. <laughs> okay, that bit I'm overplaying. But for those who saw it on Twitter, Spider and Nokia's family are listening. He's fine. Listen, <laughs> for those who listen to Cricket Unfiltered, will know I've been dead against Spider Cam since it's um, been brought into the game. I'm a hardliner when it comes to spider cam. And it flew across the outfield and almost killed Nokia. Now, Paul's laughing. Normally, he's done all his research and he's seen all the big headlines. Somehow, this escaped him. I don't know how. Um, but it is, for a start, who, whoever was driving that spider cam will be benched for sure. But, I mean... I mean, it was it was very very scary. So uh, go and have a look at it. I, I think Spider Cam needs to be abolished from the game, and he's one of the scourges of modern cricket. And uh, just another example. 
I watched every ball of the day, so I'm not sure how I did see. I did see your message. I did hear the commentators talking about it. I think it's because I was watching it on. I don't know. Maybe maybe the Channel Seven broadcast didn't make as no, much of it. Fox still didn't acknowledge it. Fox still didn't acknowledge it because it was their cameraman that did, was operating oh, okay. it. And Seven at one point had one of their cameras that picked it up and they mentioned it. But then I think there was a pretty quick uh, the word went around to let's not talk about this too much. Uh, but the South Africans are making a lot out of it because obviously they used their camera crew to catch us for Sandpaper Gate. So we've taken a more physical theory with our cameras. We're actually just running into players with it. Oh, mate, you, you know, you, you're like a stand-up comedy machine tonight, mate. Um, look, all I'll say is that your your <laughs> you even seen it. Your opposition to spider cam is well noted. You you're opposed to electricity back in the day. You wanted everyone to live in the dark, and you're opposed to spider cam. And presumably, you don't like the motor car. But I, I think it's here to stay. I love it. All right, fuck you. Um, all right, let's get into the big batch. <laughs> All right, so uh, I, 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 there's a few things with the Big Bash I want to talk about because I went, I went out to the SCG last night and uh, Sydney Sixers v the Melbourne Stars. And, look, I was so stuffed full of turkey and ham, I didn't immediately jump out to me, but Marcus Stoinis and Nathan Coulton-Isle both rested from the fixture and there was an article in News Corp uh, saying that the broadcasters were disappointed. And um, I, I get that. One thing that is, um, I guess, you have to take into account, Marcus Stoinis, his family are in Perth so he went to spend time with his family in Perth and the Stars next game is at, in Perth versus the Scorchers so I think he was trying to avoid flying back to the East Coast and then back to Perth a day later but my thing is I think he should have just skipped Christmas with his family and put the Big Bash first but that's easy for me to say Yeah I mean I could see why the broadcasters would be annoyed but I, I do have sympathy with the players their schedule is He's massive. He's had COVID as well. He's probably um, needing a bit of a rest. So I don't, I, look, I think the occasional player missing a match like that's okay. Yeah, and look, I don't think it would happen in the IPL. There's no way you would have players doing it in the IPL. But I also don't think Stoinis and Coulter-Nile can shoulder the whole burden for the fact that the competition is uh, bereft of star power or is lacking star power. It doesn't mean they have to play every game and run themselves into the ground. So... I, I do see both sides to it, but I just think he could have FaceTimed his family on Christmas Day and played. Uh, that's what I would like to have seen happen. Now, uh, then we had a discussion on day one review, Paul, about uh, Christmas Day cricket, and you said I was going to hassle the uh, players after the game. Well, guess what? Martin Gabor from News Corp, he was actually at the Christmas Day basketball game, so he was keen to ask the cricketers um, about uh, Christmas Day. So let's have a listen to Adam Zampa. A lot of talk about, after the basketball last night, about potentially having Big Bash on Christmas days going forward. Do you think that's something you can see happening, or are we asking too much of cricketers, given it's almost a 365-day year sport now? Um, I don't really want to play on Christmas Day. <laughs> um, our schedules are hectic enough as it is, particularly particularly for the Stars. We Obviously, Boxing Day test is on, so we're not... In Melbourne, we're away quite a bit this time of year, so to add in a Boxing Day, a, a Christmas Day game would be out of the question. Is that, is, is that why it makes it understandable that Stoin didn't play tonight? Like, he's travelled the world all year. Yep. Is it, does it make sense he just wanted to have a day with his family? Definitely. I mean, we've done it in the past as well. I've, I've taken Christmas Eve games off just because 
we do travel a lot. It's a long 14-game season, and you want guys coming in feeling fresh and, and at their best. And it, sometimes it's just just not the case. If you're travelling the world, trying to see your family on the other side of the country, and coming back four hours to, to play a game, it's it is about managing bodies, um, particularly guys like Stone and Paul too have had issues with their bodies, so that's that was the thinking behind it. That it wasn't me asking about Christmas Day cricket for a change. Um, <laughs> Adam, uh, you said you're a bit flat after this. How, how are you finding the extra challenge of being skipper? I love it, yeah. Um, uh, I'm yeah, enjoying the pressure of it. Um, I feel like being taken straight into the cauldron a little bit. Obviously, that game against the Thunder, defending 122, was, was, was high stakes straight away. And then this game as well was, yeah, as I said, an arm wrestling. One, one bad decision as a captain can change the game. Um, but, yeah, really really enjoying the responsibility of it. Yeah. And uh, just on um, your bowling, do you find it hard to sort of know when to bring yourself in or when to bowl? Or um, No, I mean, it was, it, was, it was always the same when I wasn't captain. Like, I would always go up to whoever's, whether it be Finchie or, or Maxie and say, you know, give me the ball this over and, and most of the time they would give it to me so it's the same now like I've um, you know tonight I felt like I was the best best bowler to bowl the last the first surge over and um, yeah I'm, I'm not going to try and change like I still want to bowl those tough overs and, and bowl when I think the game's on the line so nothing nothing has really changed good stuff there from Zampa so as you can hear he's not too keen on playing on Christmas no um, I, I don't blame the players for saying that but I just think I still agree with you that it should be something that happens. And I think that once it does come in, and it eventually will, it'll just be an accepted part of the um, of the fixturing and people will get on with it and, and, and realise that it's not ideal, but um, it's in the best interest of the of the BBL. I also think Zampa comes across as quite a good leader. I like the way he talks. He's very chilled. And, uh, yeah, I, he's a very likeable character, I have to say, Adam Zampa. I like that he was straight up and saying it as well, that he didn't want to play on Christmas Day because there'd be a lot of pressure to sort of say, well, I'll do whatever they want me to do. Um, but, yeah, it's good that he's honest. So then um, after we spoke to Adam Zampa, the Melbourne Stars captain, then we spoke to the Sydney Sixers captain, Moses Enriquez, and um, I got in there before Martin Gabor to ask about Christmas, and you'll hear that. But then we we moved on to crowd safety at North Sydney Oval, and this is something Paul and I have brought up before with a big bash impending there. Have a listen to this. Moses, I don't know. Did you ask about Christmas? No, Day you can forget ask it? this one. <laughs> right, no. um, I don't know if you saw the basketball had a lot of success with their um, game yesterday. You disappointed cr- cricket didn't take the opportunity and plant the flag on Christmas Day? Judging um, by the looks, I, no. No, I didn't even know basketball played yesterday, so um, that's that's news to me. But they had a big t- crowd, lots of viewers on TV. Oh well, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. I, I um, I'm glad I didn't play on. Christmas Day, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, I don't know. If it's, like, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but at the same time, I, to give you an I didn't even know basketball played yesterday. So if they, like, maybe they, I don't know, up to whatever you guys think really and whatever mm. the the money-making machine that Cricket Australia is, whatever they <laughs> whatever they think um, is is good for the game, you know, more than more often than not, the players will get in right behind it and you know give it our best shot. Um, I, I'd, I'd say if it is Christmas Day, I'm sure. Um, well, I'm hoping that we'd use our brains and make sure that the Christmas Day is a local derby somewhere, so like a Melbourne Melbourne or a Sydney Sydney team, so that guys don't have to be away from their families on, you know, on, on something on a day like that. But 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's something we'd have to look into. Is that the fear that players could actually pull out? Like, Stoin didn't play tonight. He's still in Perth with his family. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the what the fear is, I guess. As, and it's not just the players either. I mean, players are only 22 people of of what makes a game of cricket, you know, work. Um, and players are probably the 22 that are, uh, to be quite honest, like, um, get, you know, financially well rewarded for those types of sacrifices. You know, there's backroom staff, there's, there's administration, there's people, you know... You just need to look around the ground here tonight. There's a lot more people that make a game game of cricket happen than just the players, um, and they're all the same people that are sacrificing for a lot less financial reward than us. So I don't think it's just the players. I think there'd be a lot of upset workers as well that, um, you know, would... You know, I guess would be asking for some sort of compensation when when they're missing such a big day. And just last one, um, you mentioned Nets at North Sydney Oval. We saw Alex Hales smack someone in the crowd at the Adelaide Oval. I mean, do you actually do you have real concerns at a ground like that where the hills fifty metres away you could scone someone? Oh, there's massive concerns because you know there's and it's not the high ball to be honest. It's the hard flat one. Um, and, you know, on a ground like this, the hard flat one will bounce somewhere around here. It won't quite make it into the crowd. But at North Sydney where, um, you know, the, the ground's so small, there are so many hard flat ones. And we don't often, even in one-day games there, um, the ground's not really ever that packed. So, like, there's a lot of free space. But in a T20 game, there's not going to be that much free space. So when a ball lands up on that hill or, um, you know, and even where people come in and enter from down the bottom end there and they walk straight up those stairs, that's still only a 55-metre hit. And, you know, you're not often... When you walk up into a cricket stadium, the first thing you're thinking isn't, oh, jeez, I better keep my eye on the ball. But, you know, all of a sudden they could be getting the ball coming straight at them. So there's just a couple of, you know, little dimension, like dangerous pockets of the ground there. Um, But, you know, as long as the people that... I just... I guess for me, the last time I played there, it was the New South Wales Victoria final, and there was a queue for the medic line about five deep from people getting hit in the crowd. Um, I remember that pretty vividly, and it was, I don't know, it was just a bit of a concern. It was actually Cam White, our assistant coach, who was doing all the damage. Um, He just kept slog sweeping these flat ones into the crowd, and unfortunately people weren't watching. But you'd you'd think in a T, like, I don't know, maybe after 10 years the crowds are a little bit more experienced to watching the ball a bit harder but I, I don't know um it's it is a bit of a concern but as long as as long as you know we're looking after the crowd safety to some degree then you know I think it, it'll be a good spectacle give our helmets yeah so Paul uh, Moses Enriquez seems to share the same concerns we do about playing a big batch game at North Sydney Oval they should not be playing Big Bash at North Sydney Oval. It's just wrong. The, it's just too dangerous. And people might think, what, what are you talking about? But North Sydney Oval is a tiny ground. I've been to a T20 game many, many a year ago back at North Sydney Oval when T20 was just beginning. And, and the, you know, the bats weren't as big and it wasn't quite the same thing. Even then, there were balls flying into the crowd that were, um, w- were dangerous and, and a bit scary. If they have a flat wicket there and it's 220, two, plays 220, for example, the extreme that you could get, and you get loads of flat sixes into the crowd, there's every chance that someone is going to get injured, possibly seriously injured or possibly killed. It's just too small a venue. It's unfair on the players that if you get a ball that you can absolutely whack and you think to yourself, I don't really want to hurt someone, that's not a position that a professional sports person should be in. So... I just don't understand why why they're playing it at North Sydney Oval. The ground's too small 
for for the Big Bash. It's a it's a nice quaint stadium. It's just not something that they should be using for the Big Bash. I just think it's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, and uh, look, I have to say, I'm getting a little bit frustrated um, because I think the Big Bash needs to sometimes like listen to you know what people are talking about and take on board this. You know, if something happens at North Sydney Oval, you know they've been warned, and um, so I just think they need to be really aware of this. Enrique has mentioned nets, um, and on, on just sorry, just going back on the Christmas cricket. Moses Enrique has mentioned about the staff working on Christmas Day. Um, it's not just the cricketers that have to man a Christmas day, but I, I do think that um, you know a lot of people work on Christmas Day. So uh, hotels, hospitality staff, it, it, that you know, and they do get double time. So I, I just don't think that's a valid argument. I did get the ratings from the basketball on Christmas Day. It's the highest ever. It's the highest basketball ratings of the season, three hundred thousand, which is a lot for an NBL game. And they're looking at playing double headers next Christmas. So you know, maybe the Big Bash has kind of missed the boat now that the NBL will own the day. I haven't missed the boat yet. But I think they'll miss the boat quickly if they don't start doing something, get their own tradition in there. I did like Enriquez's idea um, uh, that it should be a, a derby. Um, I think that would be quite nice. Um, have a Sydney derby or a Melbourne derby. And um, I, I think you said it started um, late in the afternoon or early in the evening. And I think it would rate the house down and um, you'll be vindicated, Menace. Absolutely. All right, we're running out of time. There's a few things I want to um, pick up with you, maybe when we wrap up the show tomorrow, Paul. I know you've got to go, and hopefully Jaleesa is going to join us. But you made some interesting comments about a Ricky Ponty's commentary that I want to dive into tomorrow. Also, the TV rights is due to TV rights deal is due to be announced any minute, and I'm really hoping that go to Ten and Paramount. I know Jaleesa, who works at Ten, will be feeling the same. For those who don't end up listening tomorrow. Um... Ricky Ponting, my comment was that he's a great commentator and that the other ex-players should learn from him. And with Radman... I had a pro tease. You ruined it. I guess that's it for our our day two wrap from the the Boxing Day Test match. A lot to get through tomorrow, so tune in to the the day three wrap. Hopefully, Jaleesa will join us. Paul, always great to talk to you. You too, Menas. Looking forward to day three. Hopefully, South Africa can conjure some sort of resistance, but it doesn't look likely. I agree. See ya. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.